Hey guys, welcome to the Built Lean Podcast. I'm Mark Perry, the creator of Built Lean, uh, which helps men with demanding careers get lean, strong, and functionally fit with exceptional vitality. And to, so today I have Nate Mesmer uh, with me, and Nate is the co-founder of iHeart SF, which produces mu- music festivals and concerts, uh, and City Fit Fest, which is a fitness event also based in San Francisco, and Allness that works with fitness and wellness talent in LA, the Bay Area, and beyond. And so Nate is also a high-level trainer and coach with expertise in athletics and track and movement training. And his superpower is bringing people together and creating community. And so I've seen Nate over the last few years at Gold's Gym in Venice, uh, where I work out and he's seriously strong and fit. And more recently, uh, I've done a few Westside Fit Club workouts, which is a free Santa Monica community uh, workout every Saturday that Nate and a few other fitness professionals have created. And they're awesome. It's like really high level instruction for free. It's it's hard to beat. So uh, with that said, thanks so much for joining uh, me today, Nate. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate being here. Uh, thank you for those uh those kind words, uh, the superpower of bringing people together. Um, I, I have finally, uh, over the last several years, accepted that that's what my superpower is. Um, I, won't, I won't be going to the Olympics or uh, <laughs> right. setting any world records unless it is creating community through movement and uh, health and wellness. <laughs> awesome, man. And so let's, let's dive in, kind of talk a little bit about your background. So how did you get into coaching and training others? And then more specifically, you know, with movement training. So I was a track and field athlete in college. Um, I, in, in high school, rewind before that, I, I did basketball in high school, my junior and senior year in the Bay Area um, at Carlmont High School. And I also ran track. I was I thought I was pretty good at basketball, but I, you know, I'm not very tall. I'm 5'10-ish, maybe 5'11 with shoes on. And, uh, you know, I I played the same position in basketball as the, as the coach's son. Uh, So, (laughs) and the coach's son set the school record for the most shot attempts ever. Um, So, that that was that was challenging. I did really well in summer league and then didn't get to play very much during the year. And that messed with my confidence. And around the same time, I decided to run track. I knew that I could run, but I hadn't run track uh, before. And so I did really well in track and field in, in high school and and just kept going from there. In, and I went to junior college first. And junior college track like kept me on track, uh, so to speak, uh, in terms of being interested in school. And I wasn't very interested in in general schooling in high school, the way that things were taught. I I didn't have very many teachers that were really interesting to me. Um, And just the standardized education, you know, test scores and all, all that kind of thing didn't really speak to me. Uh, but track kept me going. And so that ended up roundabout got me into UC Davis, University of California of Davis, and I ran track there. Track got me into school, uh, so that was awesome. And lucky for me, I had uh, some really great coaching and some really not so great coaching. 
And that really has been foundational for me as, as a coach ever since. Um, and I won't, I won't get into too much of the not so great coaching right away here, but at the end of my track career in college, I ended up connecting with a coach, uh, a Japanese man by the name of Hideshi Akamoto, who he had coached the Japanese Olympic team at some level. He coached uh, University of Colorado Sprinters, and he had actually sort of coached, managed Maurice Green, who was a world record holder in the 100 meters. Okay. And he had worked with all types of levels of people, not just Olympic athletes and college track athletes, but he, has, he had worked with uh, elderly folks, uh, cyclists, uh, young children, and teaching them how to move. Long story short, I was able to start training with him, and I was able to run better with him uh, than I did in college without training as much, without running as much. And then he sort of showed me like new ways to move my body and balance and just new styles of training that like, this was 20 years ago uh, uh, to date myself. Um, so, he, you know, he was, he had, he had people balancing on stability balls in like 2001, you know, and he had people doing weird movement that, that is now starting to be a little bit more popular today. And changing, changing theories of, you know, less volume, more plyometrics, uh, you know, different types of, of angles and stretches. So it was really cool uh, to learn from him really early on. This was, I guess this was more about 2003 or four when I really started working with him. And then from there, I, I began coaching kids. I began coaching young athletes. I began coaching um, some older folks. And he kind of taught me about pain and, and different kinds of like posture things. Uh, and so that was really formative. Uh, and then I kind of like stored that away. And then I was young and then just went in another direction for a while with just like lifting weights, heavy weights in the gym. And then that, that moved me along to, to all types of things, uh, which went to calisthenics i got really into calisthenics when i moved back to the bay area the bay area is a big area for calisthenics some of the strongest calisthenics and most original and creative calisthenics uh athletes uh have been or are in the bay area um and so i you know for better or worse i started doing things like muscle ups right which is fun but you know, I'm 41 years old now, and I, I don't know that they're the best thing for me uh, at this point, <laughs> although it, it, is, it is a great skill to, to learn if you, if you can get that much strength. Um, and then uh, I know this is a little bit all over the place, and I'll get to, you know, the event side of things and how it led to a few other things. But basically, like five years ago, I took a – maybe it was five, six years ago – I took a, a cert for uh, Onyx Kettlebells. And I had done kettlebells before and I thought I was pretty good at it, but it wasn't until I met Marcus Martinez and um, who was the head curriculum coach for on it at the time. And his assistant at the time uh, was uh, Eric Lija, uh, which was primal Swolger on Instagram. Who's now really famous via Instagram. He was Marcus's assistant. Um, and I learned a lot from, 
from that experience and then became friends with Marcus. And I also met Venus Lau in that um, cert and she's a master coach essentially for animal flow. Cool. And so that just opened up a whole new, a whole new can of worms for me. And, and I kind of went down a bunch of different rabbit holes at that point. Nice, man. Um, I, I remember we talked about, uh, you know, we were both athletes in college and how like around that time that we were both in like college around like the early 2000s, it's like, it was just volume and heavyweights and just crush, you know, it was like, and we were wondering, I remember like at one point, like our whole team just like has like low back issues and stuff. It's like, what's going on here? And we talked about how like, there's definitely been a very positive shift more towards movement. And it, and now I think it's even better. It's just getting better and better. So I definitely feel you with that kind of like that transformation, that journey. I think I've had something not too dissimilar, uh, kind of going down that rabbit hole of like, you know, high volume, and then shifting more towards a little bit more movement. It sounds like that's kind of what you've done. Absolutely. I mean, the head coach that I had during uh, my track and field days at UC Davis was very experienced on the world level. Uh, However, I would say that she trained us like we were Olympic athletes that didn't have to go to school or uh, didn't have to worry about where the food was coming from. And also maybe uh, people who were on illegal supplements, but we weren't. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you're saying. (laughs) uh, Maybe if I was on some of the stuff the Olympic athletes were on, like maybe I could have handled the workouts a little bit better, but but that's not not what we were doing then. So it was a little extreme. And then we had a, uh, a strength coach come in one year who was, I believe, fourth in the Olympics in the shot put. Uh, I think that's what it was. He was very, very high level, incredible, incredible athlete. This guy was like six foot one or so, like, you know, 280 pounds and he could dunk a basketball, uh, just incredibly explosive. And that, that was really impressive, but he came in and took over the, 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 the weight room program for the track athletes, for the sprinters. So I was running the 400 meters for the most part, a little bit of 200 and, um, he had us, he had us cleaning all kinds of weight. And then we didn't really, no one really taught us how to clean. They just kind of like put weight on it and yelled at us. And then, you know, we did these like incredibly heavy, uh, like rack squats, you know, where you, you, you're putting on like double the amount of weight you can squat and just pushing it up a few inches. And it, you know, I, I think, I, I think I remember telling you this when we briefly chatted is, I believe that was the heaviest I ever bench pressed uh, when I was training for the 400 meters, you know, um, which makes no sense at all. If you see the best guys in track and field, they have plenty of muscle, but very few of them look like um, bench pressers. Right. Uh, you're not maxing out bench press. <laughs> it's like- no, I mean, like the, the world record holder in the 400 meters right now is still uh Wade Van Niekert from South Africa. And, you know, from a distance, he looks skinny. Uh, You get closer to him, you can tell he's got a lot of muscle, but he's not benching 300 pounds. And um, there's a new kid right now from LSU named Terrence Laird. He's, I believe he's a junior, not even a senior, maybe in college, maybe he's a senior in college, but either way, he's a young kid from LSU. He is, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be Usain Bolt, but he is incredibly incredibly talented 
and he is so skinny and he is running. He just ran a nine, eight, 100 meters, uh, slightly wind aided. Uh, I believe he has like the fastest or second fastest 200 meters in the world right now out of LSU. And this kid is skinny. So <laughs> He's not benching 350. <laughs> no, he's not benching right. 350. And when I say skinny, you know, he, he has, he's pure muscle. He has plenty right. of muscle. Right. He's just not, he's just not big. He's not, he's not bulking on, you know, a bunch of weight. Um, and he's, or, you know, that this is, this is what I wish I knew back then. It's, it's not really about how much muscle you have. It's about how you can, you know, organize yourself. And if, you know, compartmentally, you look at like a bodybuilder and they might have like really big biceps, really big legs, but put them in a 40 yard uh, sprint and they might blow up, you know, or you take a football player who can run that 40 really, really fast, but then they make cuts in the game untouched and they, and they tear something. Um, and so organizationally, you know, if we're not able to move well, if we're not able to be resilient, um, if, if our joints, our ligaments, our tendons are not able to keep up with where our muscles want to go or where our brain is telling us to go, then, then, then things blow up, things tear, things rip, things strain. And, and I think I, in a way I, I was so like, uh, traumatized by my college sports career that I've been like in recovery ever since. And I think I finally like started to come out on the other side, but, but my body is still like kind of in this like really tense, like fight or flight often. And then I'm like, okay, I got to breathe. Dude, I had, I had wrist surgery and I've had lower back surgery. I, you know, basically broke myself in college with the lifting. So that's been a part of the inspiration for me to kind of do what I'm doing and create more functionally fit humans uh, versus just like load them up, you know? And so let's, um, I actually wanted to ask you about, um, about city fit vest and, and how it's a fusion of fitness, wellness, and mindfulness, those three things, right. And to create a little bit more context. So people understand this conversation, like what is fitness, what is wellness, what is mindfulness and why are they important? Yeah. So a little background on before we started the City Fit Fest event, um, I, ha I had been producing large events for 10 plus years in, in San Francisco. And I live in Santa Monica now. And uh, the, events, the events led me to Santa Monica. So uh, in college, I was, I was, I was tr a track team guy and a, a history major, actually. But I also was throwing hip hop shows. And it, it paid bills that I didn't know that it could pay. And so I just kept doing it. And years later, when I started to get tired of the unwellness of uh, festival and nightlife related uh, entertainment events, um, at the same time, I had always been doing some coaching and a lot of hardcore training on my own, but I was, I was burning both ends. I was up and down and, um, I, I, I went to a fitness expo and I, I, I got there and I looked around and I, and I just told myself, I'm like, this is not where I want to be. Um, it was just a bunch of people selling supplements and kind of flexing for Instagram. 
And there was not really any like education happening. There wasn't really any movement happening. And the community didn't really seem healthy. It just, it was just like this sort of like old school, like 80s and 90s, like, you know, fitness being projected onto us, you know, in today's uh, world. But I was like, we've moved past this. Like no one here got the memo. But we, but we moved past this, or we are, or we're at least moving past this, right? right. Um, and so I was like, there needs to be another type of experience that can introduce people to like healthy fitness, and what does that look like? And so I talked to a few partners of mine with the event industry, and I was like, we need to do a fitness and wellness festival. And so we came up with this concept of allness, which was. Uh, you know, essentially taking fitness, wellness, and mindfulness and compressing it together. And it's all the nests, all nests. And we were like, wow, this is a great idea. We should, we should call it allness and just do allness, this, allness, that. And then we sort of were like, I don't know if people are ready for that. And maybe they don't understand what we're trying to do. So let's just call it City Fit Fest. And it was happening in San Francisco, which is called the city. People in the Bay Area call San Francisco the city. So we were just like, well, it's a fit fest. It's the city, city fit fest. But then when people attended the event, there was allness things happening everywhere. So you may have your Barry's boot camp class over here, but you'd have your movement session over here, your breath work session over here. We had a yoga for men session. And at the same time, we had a weightlifting for women session. And, you know, women could attend the yoga for men and men could attend the women's weightlifting if they wanted to. But we were influencing people to try something maybe new. Right. And it worked incredibly well. Uh, unfortunately, we spent too much money on the first one. And that kind of put us into a tough situation on the second one. That was in 2017 and 2018. Then 2019, uh, we did a really great one. I think our best one by far was our third year. And we had, who do we have? We had really great coaches. We had uh, Brett Contreras, very notable, the glute guy. Uh, and Brett's a great guy. I, I would actually had some experiences training with Brett that I, I, I can expand upon. Uh, he's not just the glute guy, actually. Uh, he's, he, he does do a lot more than that. Um, or know a lot more than that. Um, we had Masi Arias, who's a very famous, like, fitness influencer for, you know, women and moms. Uh, and then we had a lot of movement stuff. So we, we had uh, Venus Lau teaching animal flow. Um, we had uh, Vishal Kumar uh, and, and, and uh, a good friend of mine, Amir. He goes by uh, Beard, the, Beard the Best You Can Be on Instagram. Um, he's like really famous for like crazy uh, uh, mobility and like sissy squats and FRC mastery. And then, I don't know, we had all types of things. We just wanted to have things people could experience and then go where they want to go with it afterwards and then, and then see where it could take them. The problem for me was, is that like, I want, I wanted to do more of that, but like organizing a festival was really tough and a lot of work. And then it was all about like raising money and like scale, scale, scale. And like, you know, what's the, what's the exit strategy for the investors and all that. And I was like, I don't know if I want to get into this. And then while I was contemplating, like, where is this going to go? Like COVID happens and, and COVID being, you know, really terrible uh, 
for a lot of a lot of un, unwell people, unfortunately, uh, it was good for me in that I was able to stop thinking about all this like event stuff and sort of just go inward and focus on what I really wanted to do. And, and that led me to, all right, I want to focus on smaller groups, more intimate settings, workshops, retreats, um, uh, the, the, the outdoor fitness community that, that you're a part of now as well. Um, so yeah, hope, hopefully that makes sense. Cool. No, that's great. And I, the allness name is actually brilliant. I didn't, I didn't put that together. I'm like fitness, wellness, mindfulness, putting them all together. And so one, and so one thing you're really passionate about, Nate, is making fitness and wellness more accessible. So what do you mean by that? And how do you think that can be accomplished? I think that, you know, what I do with Westside Fit Club now in Santa Monica, which is approaching about two, we've done, been doing it for like two and a half years. Um, we started it, you know, well before uh, the pandemic occurred and we were really well suited to handle the pandemic because we had already been doing all these outdoor gatherings. But uh, I had done a lot of outdoor fitness boot camp type stuff in San Francisco. And often it was either free or very, very affordable. And I got a lot of joy out of bringing people together in that way because when it was either free or very affordable, I can go in any direction with what I'm offering and the expectation is completely different. Whereas if you're charging, you know, 20, 30, 40, $50, or maybe a hundred to $200 on a, on a personal training level, you know, there's expectations by the person that's paying, you know, this high dollar amount, which is understandable. But when you do something that's very accessible or even free, you can kind of go in any direction and people are very uh, happy to go with you on that, on that journey. And um, when I was in San Francisco doing this, there were obstacles to my journey. One of the obstacles was the weather. Uh, San Francisco is a great, great place for many things, or at least was a great place for many things when it was more affordable. Uh, but the weather is is schizophrenic. It's it's a it's an unhealthy, unstable relationship. One one hour it's sunny, the next it's it's winter, um, and so you can never really count on what what the weather is going to be like. And and because of that, I think it makes it tough to create community with outdoors experience. But it also lends itself to maybe more mm, work hard, play hard, a lot of drinking and stuff, and so. Sometimes people are not able to wake up to make the 9 or 10 a.m. session. When I moved down to Santa Monica, the beauty was, you know, the weather is always pretty good and you can do a lot of things outdoors. And at that point, I also no longer really was involved with, with nightlife. I'm, I'm very rarely would I go out on Friday night at this point in my life and, and have several drinks. Um, and so I realized that the most important thing to me was no longer Friday and Saturday night. It was uh, Saturday and Sunday morning. Interesting. And once that shift occurred and it occurred over several years, it wasn't just like one day I was like, Oh, I'm going to quit drinking and just be all this like health guru or something. It, it was, it was, it was a phase, phase in phase out. 
And I've never been happier looking forward to my Saturday and Sunday mornings. Um, and so organizing outdoor community in an accessible way, often these free classes, you know, I realized the, important, the importance of community. Like, why are people going to the bar? Well, they want to see people. They want to be around bodies, right? People go into like bars and restaurants and if it's like crowded, they're like, yeah, let's go there. Like, let's be close to people. When the pandemic happened, everyone was like super depressed because like they weren't around people anymore, you know? And even though our culture tends to be like, you know, isolate people in certain ways emotionally because everyone's like, oh, I got to pay rent and I got to make money. At the end of the day, like people really want to connect with other human beings. And fitness and wellness is, is the same thing, right? Like, why do people slam themselves into a CrossFit class, you know? Like, they want the community of that, even if they're not being taught properly how to do Olympic lifting, um, depending on the, 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 the box or the coach. But so community is, is the most important thing other than, like, taking care of ourselves first, right? We have to take care of ourselves first so that we can then show up for others, and for me, it's like, wow, I can bring all these people together in an outdoor setting and like expose them to like healthy practices of movement and empowering themselves and getting stronger. And like you see the smiles on people's faces and it's it's there's nothing quite like it. And then when the pandemic hit, it's like really important. Like it really hit home how important community is. Like if I didn't have this outdoor fitness community, I mean, I, my experience during the pandemic would have been a much more challenging. But, it, but for me, I'm lucky, I'm privileged. I have an apartment four blocks from the beach in Santa Monica. I have resources and then I have this community. And so that just was, was, was game-changing, life-changing for me over the past year or so. And I firmly believe that what I do here can be duplicated everywhere and really, we should pressure our local city officials, our state officials, our, our federal government officials to fund things like this, because if people had access to healthy movement and wellness, you know, all over the place and in every little city in town, we would have much different, you know, outcomes and, and approaches to, to other things like school and work and everything else. Interesting. I was just thinking like, how can, you know, so a guy who's listening, it's like, how could he translate that into his own community? Maybe it's like he can potentially, you know, partner with someone or create it. And I'm just kind of curious, like, how would you go about that or any, any advice on that? Uh, definitely. I would say if someone's out there and they're considering it, I would say, do it. Uh, I would say do it this weekend. Uh, Go out there by yourself if you have to. And if you see someone that's like interested, maybe invite them into what you're doing. If you can get one other person to agree to meet up with you, then, then you're already good to go. If you have two people, you and someone else, you're already making moves. I think, you know, the first one I did in San Francisco many years ago had like three or four people. And then the first one I did in um, Santa Monica two and a half years ago when, when I started Westside Fit Club, uh, it was uh, me, my mom, and two other people, and my mom was visiting. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah, so it, start, it started small, and a lot of the people who now are members literally stumbled upon us at some point. Um, 
there was a guy, or you you know him, I think, Mick, uh, with the curly hair, uh, a lot of high energy. He was looking for uh, a Qigong class being hosted by Troy Casey, the health nut. And uh, he was like, is this the Qigong class? And I'm like, no, but you can join us if you want. And he just jumped into the session and has basically been there almost every week ever since, like over a year and a half or two years ago. Interesting. Um, and so it's really just about getting it going. And, and, and what I also say is, let's say you plan to do this session and you go out there and, and a couple of people told you they were going to come and then nobody, nobody shows up and you're there by yourself. Now that's just an opportunity for you to work on your own movement, like turn it into a, a, a movement practice meditation or a workout or whatever skill that you want to work out on, work on, you know, don't take it personally that no one showed up, just do it again next week. Someone's going to come and you're going to build it that way. There, there, there's also like, an, a forgotten uh, way to uh, make things happen in real life as opposed to on social media. And that is literally just like hand people things like business cards, put up posters and flyers around your town. People, people will see it. It doesn't just have to be through, through Instagram. Cool. And so I'm just thinking, by the way, I loved your idea of like, hey, if no one shows up, that's great because you can just do your own workout. I love that because yeah, there's so many like people create like their obstacles, right? It's like, oh, what happens if no one shows up? Well, then you get a great workout on your own, right? Um, and so in terms of keeping that consistency, I mean, dude, you've been doing this for two and a half years. You have really high level trainers who are also involved who are dedicating their time for free, which is wild. It's like, how have you kept it so consistent? Because right? I imagine, I mean, even myself and like people are listening, they're like, okay, well, I, I come up with this idea to do something. It's like, maybe I can do it for a season, which is an idea, right? That's possible. Maybe I just do it for a season. Like, oh, during the spring, we're going to do a spring thing. But I guess what you've done is different in that you've kept it going every week. Like, how has that, how have you done that? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting how I, I you know, I've thought about this before um, and one aspect that's interesting actually comes from uh, the less healthy uh, part of my past, which was producing events. And uh, I remember this was many, many years ago. Uh, there would be like a lot of like weekly like like parties and stuff like, oh, Wednesday nights you go here, Thursday nights you go here. And there's all these like weekly parties and stuff. And the one, the, the, the weekly events that were like the like most consistent were simply the ones um, that had been going on the longest. Like I remember there was these like old school promoters that were like in their late forties and early fifties throwing parties with 20 year olds. And they had been posting these like parties for like 10 plus years, every single day, you know, on the same night every week. And I, I mean, I was like, wow, wow that's crazy. A, I was like, I don't want to do that forever in the party sense of things, but I respected that they that they showed up every week and created that community. And so I, I kind of had that experience. Um, I also worked at a, at, a, at a college radio station when I was in high school and the radio station was was this underground hip hop radio. And, and the guy who had hosted it had hosted it every single Sunday for like decades. And it was just like really impressive to me as a, as a young kid. Um, anyhow, I would say this, when I started the Westside Fit Club in Santa Monica, 
my intention was not to grow a festival from it or grow a huge brand and like sell it. It was literally, I want to be around these people that are interested in similar things to me. Like I want to be around people that like care about their health and want to move and like, like, can I, can I swear on this podcast? <laughs> you can do whatever you want, man. It's like, I want, I want to be around. Out if we need. <laughs> I want to be around people that give a shit or give a fuck about right. like, things that matter and so i think health and wellness and like healthy community matters and so i want to be around those types of people so i'm going to create an opportunity for people to gather around that type of thing and so i i did it for myself i didn't do it you know to to create a brand necessarily right now as it was happening i realized that like oh well if i'm always gathering these people on saturday and i'm offering it to them for free there will be people who are also going to be interested in more. And people started to contact me. Hey, like, will you train me one-on-one? Right. Um, and then some people have started to over the last, you know, year or so, you know, can you, can you teach more classes during the week? And so I've started to add in, you know, paid group classes during the weekday. And I limited those things during, during the pandemic because I didn't really want to deal with like, permitting and all that stuff that was was happening at the time but my plan is now to you know uh, expand more more class opportunities and um not necessarily do more i i have one-on-one clients that have come from doing the free thing and rather than like maybe taking on more and more one-on-one clients i just want to create more and more experiences that are either like group classes workshops or or retreats we just hosted a retreat in Sayulita, mexico which was a movement fitness uh retreat and we had uh about 20 people on the retreat during that you know after a year of covid like we weren't really promoting it online because you know some people might take it the wrong way although we took a lot of precautions all the gatherings and all the things were, were outdoors and open air. We even had a doctor on site who tested people uh, before they left. We required people to get a test before they showed up unless they had already been vaccinated or already had COVID and all that. So uh, we were able to do a retreat in Mexico, word of mouth, because of the community that, we, that we've created. Um, and it's based around a free gathering. So... You just really, you never know where something's going to go if you, if you show up. I, I learned that a long time ago. Like, like uh, I remember there was like, like maybe like a concert or some sort of event I wanted to go to when I was like in my late teens, early 20s. And none of my friends wanted to go. And so I showed up by myself. And I did that several times. And the connections that I made from it ended up being people that I stayed connected with for, for years and years after that that if I wouldn't have gone, I wouldn't have, have made those connections. Like, so, you know, I, I say like, you know, if, if you don't go, you won't know, right? If you, do, if you don't show up, like you, you, you just don't know what can happen. So a- anyways, long, long story short, again, if anyone is out there that's considering this, yes, do it, go for it. You never know what can happen. Nice. And just so for people listening, I mean, you know, Nate, uh, you know, created and, and has other fitness professionals helping him with the West Side Fit Club. And it's basically, it's an hour just to give people an idea. It's like, it's basically an hour session, right? 
Uh, you've got different types of equipment. Sometimes, you know, people bring some equipment and I think what would be cool. I'm, I'm just thinking as, as we're talking, it'd be cool to maybe even like include a, like a sample workout or something or a sample flow on this, you know, so we have like a, we publish this on the built lean website on like a page we can include like just a sample workout just to give people a sense of like, what is this? It gives, gives, makes it more tangible and be like, Hey, you could do this too. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for example, you, and you, you've actually done this with us, um, uh, during, uh, the pandemic, you know, uh, we, a lot of people ran out of equipment. Um, and I had been, uh, training for many years, uh, with, uh, with and without equipment and also utilizing, um, everyday objects for equipment. So, you know, when I see a bench or a curb or a chair or a table, I, I don't see those things the way that maybe other people see them. I'm like, what can I do with that object or item to make it like somehow part of my movement practice or my workout? And so during the pandemic, I, I you know, I was, I was purchasing kettlebells when I, when I could and, and those types of things. But I also had experience in sort of creating movement in different ways. So I just went out and bought a ton of like wooden dowels, like long sticks that are like an inch or so thick. And we started using those for workouts. So we, we attached, um, you know, resistance bands to them. We would do partner exercises where someone holds the stick uh, while the other person, uh, so someone does like bicep curls with it and the other person resists and, and it can be really difficult. Uh, you know, there was, there, we, we used these uh, parking spots, you know, where we put the stick on like the, the ground or the parking spot bumper and you basically doing like push-ups with the stick. So there's just so many ways, you, you know, you can create um, opportunities to do movement and strength work with and without equipment. And I think that's one of the really cool things about, about what we can do uh, with group exercise outdoors. And then I think if you do it in a genuine way, you know, really good coaches will want to be around that if they get it, you know, like they're like, for example, there's like coaches that I know on social media that have hundreds of thousands of followers, if not millions of followers, some of them will, you know, will say, yeah, I'll, I'll show up at that event. If you pay me $5,000 or $10,000 and others will, will simply understand, like, it's good for me to get in front of other humans and like do my thing. And if I'm not, if I'm personally not charging any money or charging a lot of money, then they understand like what the relationship is with that experience. Right. And so I think there's some people that, that quote, have a big name online that, that get it like that. They, they, even though they're doing really well with their online stuff, like they still want to be in front of other people. And maybe that's not always for a free event, but it could be still an accessible one. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that maybe that's more possible here in, in Southern California, of course, but there's great coaches all over the place, you know, um, and you reach out to them and invite them out and see, see what they think, you know? Right. Right. No, that's, that's really good. Um, I think that's good advice. And, and by the way, I just also want to mention, I think maybe we can include it, you know, on, on this post as well is I think you literally have like a 30 minute, like 
chair workout, right? Which you launched during COVID. I mean, are there any, we, we could include, you know, one of your like favorite workouts that you've done from, from your YouTube channel. And you can definitely check out Nate's um, YouTube channel. Anything else you want to, you want to kind of talk about that? Yeah. I, unfortunately I didn't, I didn't really keep developing the YouTube channel. Uh, I, I need to go back to it and I have so, I really need to create a catalog uh, of, of the exercises you guys are doing in West, like seriously, just the exercises yeah. in Westwick, like they're awesome. They're yeah. Thank like, you. I mean, Thank you. And I, by the way, I like going because I learn. But continue. I'm not saying I invented all the movements that I do, right. but like I've been just creating movements for so long, and then borrowing other movements from uh, other coaches and adapting movements that I, I have like a pretty big catalog of movements. And then you go online to like find them or look more into them, and they don't really exist in a way that makes sense. Like it's pretty tough to like search for movements on on social media or even youtube and and know that it's like good right that's the tough part it's like you could find something on youtube but like it doesn't necessarily mean it's like the right thing or the best thing for you and and then obviously on instagram i mean it could be completely the, the wrong thing i see some of the younger uh very talented very athletic instagram influencers post things and I'm like oh my god like I hope other people don't try that or or like man that looks really cool but like two years three years four years down the road like that person's gonna have a lot of problems based on just entertaining people for their like clicks for the likes you right. know because at some point the body's gonna be like nah we don't we don't want to do that you know that I, I've, I continue to learn the hard way as well sometimes I, I do things that are fun uh, and just because I can do them doesn't mean I should do them. And I, I'm constantly having to sort of like, okay, should I do this or should I not? Like, um, you know, just a simple thing, like, like a muscle up, like muscle ups are great, but maybe for a 41 year old who's trained the way that I've trained is not necessarily the move for me. Um, I I've started to do more rope climbing again, which is, uh, very, very taxing as well, but, uh, I can do it in a, in a way that's healthier for my shoulders as opposed to the bar stuff, uh, like the muscle up stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the YouTube thing, like I just did a chair, a, a chair workout because people were confused during the pandemic when the, when the gyms closed in the beginning and they were losing their mind. Like, what am I going to do without a gym? And, and I felt for them, but I also was like laughing too. Cause I'm like, you know, you could do so much with just the chair and so right. I wanted to show people like, Hey, like this workout can be really hard. Like if you really use a lot of intention and intensity and breath, you, you can kick your butt on this chair or multiple chairs, or you can, you can progress it. And, and, and somebody that's, that's older or not as strong can also get it, get a lot out of it as well. Um, that's something that I hope has changed over the last year or so that people understand like, you know, gyms aren't going to go anywhere. People love gyms, but you don't have to go to a gym or even a class. Like you can go out and use your own body. Your body's, uh, your body's the, a great, you know, full body piece of equipment. <laughs> you know, you don't need like a $2,000 thing on your wall that like projects a bunch of holograms and stuff. Like you can do it just literally, you know, in your living room or outside at the park. Right. Cool. So I really appreciate it, Nate, so far. And is there anything else we haven't discussed that you'd like to mention? Um, 
Yeah, I, I would say that just over the past, you know, I'm 41. I turned 42 in September. And if you would have interviewed me five years ago about what I knew about fitness and wellness and movement, um, it probably would have sounded a lot different. And I, I was very experienced at the time, or so I thought, you know, I'd been training in some capacity and coaching in some capacity for, you know, 15 years at that point. Uh, I had done high level, you know, explosive stuff. I'd worked with some pretty good coaches whom I'd taken a lot from. But, you know, you just, you continue to grow and you continue to evolve. So what I would say is like, don't, you know, if you go down a rabbit hole, that's fine. Like I've done the, the track and field rabbit hole, the bodybuilding rabbit hole, uh, the, the, the calisthenics and muscle ups rabbit hole, the uh, kettlebell rabbit hole, the FRC rabbit hole, all, you know, all kinds of different things. And there's no one way to do anything. So like if any coach or like guru out there is telling you like, this is the way and everything else is like inferior or something, then, then they're trying to probably sell you something or they have their own, you know, problems that they're dealing with to, to think that their way is the only way. So just be open to like taking what works for you from all different types of like disciplines and avenues and like building something um, around that, you know, not, not, not fall into the trap of like, this is the only way we can do things. We do that very often just with even our scheduling. And it makes sense because people have certain jobs with certain schedules, but we, we base our training oftentimes around this like rigid, you know, five to seven day schedule. And it's like, I do legs on Wednesday, but then it's like, well, what if you go in on Wednesday and like, you're just not feeling it. Right. And then you force yourself through this really intense leg workout that then has negative consequences for days or weeks or months or years afterwards, because you just didn't have it that day. Whereas if you would have taken a day or two off or done something different, you would have continued to make progress and not um, strain or hurt yourself. And so I think being open to adapting and changing, like, you know, if I, there's a really famous track and field coach named Charlie Francis, who, who isn't around anymore, but he, he, he was, he also coached athletes that were on particular substances, but he was a really high level speed coach. And he used to basically survey the athletes that came in. I don't know if he had them do some sort of, test that showed, you know, what their energy level was or what their nervous system was at at the time. But he, he would, he would determine whether they were at their, their best or close to their best. And if they seem like they weren't based on, on his, um, metric, he would either completely change the workout for the day, or he would basically like cut the workout and have them do like recovery. Um, which, which is not the norm, right? We, we, we grew up more with like uh, the remnants of like football coaches telling their, their kids to double day and, you know, water is weakness, uh, you know, and spearheading kids like with helmets and stuff, you know? And so I think if we can grow into a more healthy version of fitness and wellness and just be open to different ways and, and adapting and, and doing what works for us, then we're going to be much better off. 
That's cool. It reminds me of the quote by Bruce Lee. It's something like, you know, discard what is useless, like take what is useful and make it uniquely your own, something along those lines. And it sounds like just being open. Absolutely. Yeah. Bruce Lee is incredible. You know, he, I didn't know this until maybe like several years ago that he was like actually using movement or, or his martial arts to express his, his philosophy. And there's all these like writings and journals that he had about life and, and, in, in his way, he used this movement and this martial arts to express what his, 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 his almost like his religion was, you know, um, his writings are really interesting. He, uh, obviously he was, he, his life was ended much too early, but his style is interesting to me. There's a uh, movement coach out there named um, uh, Tom Wexler. And he is a, uh, he's more of a dancer like he's a dance movement uh, expert. And I took a workshop with him like three years ago or more. And he, he, he's like the, he's like the, 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 the bizarro world, like version of Ido Portal. If Ido is like this, like hardcore, uh, you know, my way or the highway, like uh, uh, you got to do it this way, you know, and his training, Ido's training, I mean, he has a lot of great stuff. But it's very like, this is the way, right? Tom is on the flip side of that, where he has basically gone around the world and taken bits and pieces of all different types of movement. I, he might have even trained with Ido. They're both originally Israeli, but Tom lives in like Spain and just travels the world and teaches workshops. And he, he is taking all these bits and pieces from different movement and different dance and created this style called movement archery. Um, and I took that workshop with my friend, Vishal, who's one of the best coaches for movement, I believe in the country and Vishal Kumar. And also in that class was Hunter fitness, Hunter cook, who's one of the lead instructors for FRC Hunter Vishal and myself were the only non dancers and non movement gurus in this workshop. And it was so interesting because I was just there for like the philosophy and I learned more from Tom Wexler in a, in a workshop where I couldn't even do most of the stuff that well, because I'm not a dancer. I learned more from him than any, any coaching experience or certification experience than, than I had learned before or since. And it was just super, it was super eye opening, and it, and he approaches it sort of like Bruce Lee approaches it. Uh, he's more water uh, than maybe Bruce Lee was. Uh, you know, Bruce Lee was, you know, Bruce Lee was getting down with, with some hardcore punches and kicks as well, right? Uh, Tom is a little bit more like fluid, a fluid version of that. But that just blew my mind because it was like, wow, like you'd ask this guy, like, why do we do this movement? Uh, and he'd have like this philosophy or why you move your elbow like this instead of like this. And, and, and he would, he would be like, well, there's these Japanese acrobats that do this. And there's this Capoeira guy that does this. And he'd have this long explanation that was brilliant. And I'm just like, holy crap. Um, not for everybody, not for everybody, but for me, it, it, it was, it was really formative to, to where I'm at now. And I'm not a dancer at all. Uh, you know, unless I have maybe a couple of drinks, but uh, I, don't do <laughs> yeah. I don't do that very often anymore. 
So maybe, maybe in the, my, my next life or maybe in the future, maybe I, I can evolve. I, I'm um, going to try to take a dance class or like a break dancing class this coming year um, to see if I can free my hips a little bit. Nice, man. Nice, man. So how can people uh, follow you or learn more about you, Nate? Uh, Instagram is always is always easy. Uh, initially, um, I, Nate Mesmer, M-E-Z-M-E-R at Instagram. I post like 80% movement and fitness stuff. And I also share a lot of thoughts I have about life and the world and politics. And some people don't want to know about those things. <laughs> but I believe it's it's all connected. Um, and so I share about those things. Uh, even fitness and wellness to me is very political in that, you know, if people don't have access to health and wellness, we can't really like thrive, right? We're just going to be in some sort of survival mode if we're, if we're not well. And the pandemic, I think, is, has taught us that, that we're only as, as, you know, strong as like our, 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 you know, most vulnerable folks, right? So if, a lot of people in America are obese and have heart disease and don't have access to healthy foods. And they definitely don't have access to Westside Fit Club. Uh, you know, they are, they are going to struggle. And then if something does happen, like, like a pandemic or something, you know, it's going to be really bad because that was really the thing was, 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 you know, COVID's not really that big of a threat to somebody that's healthy and well, but we have like, a hundred million people that are immune risk or unwell in this country alone. And so I think the better that we can do in the future with, with getting more uh, health, healthy movement, you know, healthy eating, healthy lifestyle to, to make it more accessible to more people, you know, the stronger we'll be, you know, as a, as a community society, et cetera. So anyways, I share stuff like that on my Instagram, but then there's also Westside Fit Club and our movement makers retreat uh, group that we're doing things as well. So people can connect with me on there, send me a DM or comment or whatever. I'm very accessible. Um, I'll respond and, you know, go from there. Awesome. Again, Nate, man, I really, really appreciate it. Um, looking forward to more uh, West side fit club workouts, man. But again, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts because uh, obviously this is really important. It's like, you know, helping people improve their health and fitness more on the community level. It's like, you know, a lot of people were listening. It's like they're into their fitness. They're into their health. It's like, well, how can we kind of spread that out? So again, I really appreciate it, man. I'll see you soon and uh, keep me posted. <laughs> Absolutely. Hopefully I'll see you this weekend. Absolutely, man. Catch you later. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye.